When we're young, a lot of us find ourselves bored with our hometown. We might view it as the same boring place with the same boring people, and a lot of us dream of a world that exists beyond it, particularly during our teen years. But what if that same old place that you grew up isn't as boring as you thought it was? What if there were secrets hidden away within it? What if the town that you thought you knew had dangers lurking in broad daylight? Would it seem so boring then? My name is Brianne, and I'm the host and creator of Among the Dirt and Trees, a show where we explore true crime cases that occur out in nature. In today's episode, we're going to talk about Millie Dowler, a 13-year-old girl who said goodbye to her friend at a local cafe in 2002 and ended up being the first official murder victim of Levi Belfield, a man known as the Bus Stop Killer, who is a serial killer and rapist that terrorized several young women over the years. Born with the name Amanda Jane, Millie Dowler made it clear from a young age that she knew who she was. Like any other teenage girl, Millie wanted nothing more than to spend time with her friends and have fun. On the day that she went missing, that was exactly what she did. After a long day of school, Millie and her friend decided to visit a local cafe on their way home. Originally, the two were going to get a ride with Millie's mom, but when her friend had a sudden change of plans, they decided to just walk instead. When they were done, Millie called her dad and told him he should expect her in roughly 30 minutes. She parted ways with her friend and began to walk home. As you were probably expecting, Millie Dowler did not make it home. Her disappearance sparked an investigation that would lead to the harassment of her family, a case on corruption in the media, and a collection of materials designed to help young men and women stay safe while navigating the streets of their neighborhood. When Millie didn't arrive home, her family began to worry. It was one thing to be late. Maybe she got caught up with her friends or decided to stop somewhere else. But as the hours ticked by, her family began to fear that something bad happened to her. She was reported missing within a few short hours and the search was on. The police immediately jumped into action when they were notified. In most places, when a child goes missing, it's cause for urgency, and Millie's case was no different. The police didn't just tell people to look out for Millie, though they also did that. They actually pulled the full force of local police out and went outside to physically search for her as well. They looked through nearby fields and asked questions around town, and they also covered their bases in the event that she had run away from home. While I know in my mind that children run away, I'm always surprised by how much merit cops put into the idea that kids just decided to up and split. Objectively, I know that it happens, but I'm always surprised by how often cops pursue this avenue. In this case, they made pleas to Millie through different media avenues, asking her to return home if she ran away. But there was no reason for Millie to run away. She was a happy girl who went out to have a snack with her friends. She'd just spoken to her father, and yet police still weren't entirely convinced. This was a particular point of contention with the family. They felt that police framed Millie as being troubled and implied that there might be issues at home. In reality, Millie was just a normal girl that something bad happened to. If there is anything that I can say... When researching other cases like the last episode on Melanie Melanson, I've learned that cops can lean really heavily into the runaway theory, and they can lean into it so much that they neglect the real suspects. 
that doesn't seem to be the case here, at least not with the focus on her running away specifically. The cops were looking for a trail that would lead to Millie, but they just couldn't find one. There wasn't any footage that would show where she was or where she went. And this fact gave police pause when they were investigating. But it didn't trick them as much as one other detail. The lack of evidence of a struggle. Because of the fact that Millie wasn't physically seen being abducted and there wasn't any real evidence of a struggle along her path home, police assumed that she knew her killer. It was decided that Millie wouldn't just walk off with someone that she didn't know, so police started looking in her inner circle. While this isn't entirely uncommon, it did put a lot of unpleasant focus on her dad. For a while, police actively believed that Millie's father had killed her. He hadn't, but they wasted a good amount of time focusing on him as a suspect, and likely spent time looking into other people she knew as well. Ultimately, as we know, this was just time that was lost. Millie's killer wasn't someone that she knew. He was a killer who was known for a disturbing obsession with schoolgirls, a fact which would ultimately prove true with his subsequent victims. Unfortunately, since he was never caught when he murdered Millie, he was able to commit more crimes over the years. Two full season changes later, Millie Dowler was found by two nature lovers out in a local forest, and she was dead. Now, before I go into some of the darker details, I'm going to take you on a little lighthearted journey with me. You see, it wasn't just any nature lovers that were out there and found Millie. This group was actually a group of mushroom pickers. And if your first thought is, what the heck is a mushroom picker? Thank you. (laughs) I had no idea that mushroom picking was a real thing that people did. For those of you who are not privy to the underrated art that is mushroom picking, I'm going to educate you. Mushroom picking, also known as mushrooming, is a term for people who go out into nature and forage for mushrooms like little woodland fairies and or druids. You might wonder why these individuals would go forage in the woods for mushrooms like we're back at the dawn of time, and I am here to confirm that it is, in fact, for food purposes. However, I strongly suspect that some people are foraging for another kind of mushroom entirely. Which, no judgment, in Colorado, all the fungi is legal, so to each their own. But I thought that this was a pretty unique detail (laughs) for a case. Anyway, when the police were called, it wasn't quite a cut-and-dry investigation. Given how much time had passed, it wasn't immediately clear that it was Melly at all. Nature did what nature does, so they had to go to some additional lengths to identify her. Unfortunately, the need was increased by the fact that Melly had no personal belongings or clothes on her when they found her. Eventually, they were able to identify Melly through dental records, And then they knew the truth. Millie Dowler was murdered. So, how did they find out that Millie was killed by Levi Belfield? Well, this is when the entire case gets a little weird on the timeline front. By the time police were able to determine that Belfield was responsible for Millie's murder... 
he was already in jail for murdering another young girl. A couple of years passed before police thought to look into Belfield because he wasn't on their radar. It wasn't until an officer who was working near the case was able to notice the similarities between Millie's case and some of the killer's other crimes that they were even able to do anything. With a little research, he was able to determine that Belfield lived only a few yards away from the area where Millie disappeared at the time. And at that point, alarm bells went off. Police began looking into Belfield and learned that his car matched one that was in the camera footage from the day that another girl was approached by a stranger. A few weeks after Millie disappeared, somebody pulled over and claimed they were a neighbor and offered to take a 12-year-old girl home. The girl refused to get into the car with the driver, and the person was never found. All they had was the footage of the car. Though no one had seen Millie get into a car, police were interested in it at the time. They were just never able to locate it until they identified Belfield. Another one of his victims led to him finally being arrested and charged. And then eight full years later, he was charged with Millie's disappearance, rape, and murder. Even though he was charged in 2010, he didn't fully admit what he did until another six years had passed. Though, they did say that he got caught because he was bragging in jail. Belfield has now, at this point, received multiple life sentences for his crimes. Ordinarily, this is where I would end the story, but... Belfield wasn't the only person to commit a crime in Millie's case. Remember how I mentioned that there was a lot of concern surrounding the media in Millie's case? Yeah, let's talk about that. Now, I don't know much about news in the UK, but I do know that journalists have a reputation for being a little aggressive about sniffing out a story and gaining access to exclusive information. There's a reason that we always hear jokes about the code of ethics in journalism. It's a very real concern. Back in 1843 a publication called News of the World was formed. It was one of the most prominent newspapers in the UK during its lifespan, and it had a love of posting about anything and everything corrupt. Murders? Great. Sex scandals? Perfect. As long as it would turn heads, this news source was open to publishing it. And this would ultimately be its downfall. When Millie disappeared some of the journalists over at News of the World had an idea. Millie was a teen girl, and she had a cell phone, which we all know because she called her dad. At News of the World, they had an interest in that cell phone. I'm not sure how journalists get the inside scoop for most newspapers other than snooping around and knowing the right people, but at News of the World, they had a different approach. Their journalists were a part of what is now known as the New International Phone Hacking Scandal. Instead of waiting by to learn what they could about Millie, they decided to hack her voicemail and listen to her private messages on her phone. The end result of this was that voicemails that could have been evidence were lost. Obviously, nothing in the voicemails would have helped Millie's case, but 
It is just crazy to think that they hacked into her phone to access this, hoping to get some kind of insider scoop. And most shockingly, the police didn't seem to bat an eye at this in Millie's case. I have to assume that it's because they knew that it would not have made a difference, but it could have. Maybe not in this case specifically, but in general. Millie's family, on the other hand, had a very big problem with this. In fact, their problem was so big that the Dowler family was actually paid two million pounds in personal damages. When I started researching this case, I expected to find a typical true crime case. I saw a story about a missing girl who ended up being murdered, and I followed that. What I didn't expect to find was a huge scandal about a prominent publication hacking cell phones of victims in an attempt to release stories with more of an edge. And in case you were wondering, the journalists at this place were also known for bribing the police and influencing a ton of people to hand over gossip. Now, if you are anything like me, you will be glad to know that they actually agreed to shut down in 2011 in response to this scandal. When they shut down, they were still one of the highest performing news publications in the area. So, in Millie's case, two crime machines were brought to a much-needed end. And I don't think that anybody would have suspected the second one that came out of it. When a young kid goes missing, it is a truly awful thing. When they end up dead, it's only that much worse. It's the worst possible outcome for something like this. But if anything can be said for this case... It's that it has led to a lot of good protection efforts to keep other kids from ending up like Millie. It's pretty common to see families kind of rally after something happens, and a lot of people will do fundraising and spread awareness. In this case, Millie's parents have made it a personal quest to help educate kids and their parents on how to communicate effectively and travel safely. It is their hope that some good will come from such a horrible crime. Unfortunately, it ended badly for them, but they're trying to stop it from happening to other families, and I really appreciate that. So, In the event that you listen to this story and you thought, hey, wait, but what about Levi Belfield and his other victims? Don't worry. I am not done with Belfield just yet. In my next episode, we are going to explore the rest of his crimes. Even though he was only formally charged for attacking a handful of girls, police actually believe that he was responsible for dozens of other attacks in the area. So, if you were curious about a man who was known for targeting women at bus stops, don't miss it. As always... If you want to contact me to talk about murder, mayhem, or mushroom picking, you can find me with the tag at datpod on Twitter or Instagram. 
And for ad-free episodes and access to the official Say No to Nature Discord, feel free to become a patron at patreon.com slash like and inscribe. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.